politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew everything that matters. Life, liberty, property, our civilization, immigration, medical freedom, trannyism. Who knows what else they're going to throw at us? The Green New Deal, you name it. We need real solutions to real existential threats we've never faced, and they're all from within. By the way, it is Tuesday. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for June 20th. What is the endgame? What's the endgame with Trump? What's the endgame with the conservative movement, the Republican Party, the Trump supporters? I really want to know what is the endgame. See, we are told that we need to step aside. You can't focus on any other projects, the gubernatorial primaries, the you know, federal primaries, local elections. All the top 10 issues that we focus on every day, why it's important, what ought to be done, what's wrong, again, from the border to crime to the the trannyism, the medical freedom stuff, the Green New Deal, the energy, all that stuff. And, And we're just scraping the surface. But no, that doesn't matter. All the presidential candidates need to drop out. Everyone needs to support Trump. Okay, fine. All right. Let's indulge that for a day. We are told that all that matters is Mitte Trump. Okay, so I want to indulge that. So what what do we do? What's the end game other than just saying everyone needs to drop out and support him for the primary? What is the end game? My buddy Steve Dace has been doing a good job of this. Asking the question that really applies to every other issue. We all say rhetorically, we're going to die if Obamacare is passed. We're going to die if the Democrats succeed in this. They win this election. They win this policy. And they do. And we have no plan to fight it. So all they're doing is taking the same modus operandi of the GOP and applying it to Mitter Trump. Okay, fine. But what does that look like? They're saying we crossed the Rubicon. And I agree, but we crossed the Rubicon on 20 other issues too. You know, just today, at the same time they're indicting him, they're basically allowing Hunter Biden to get off on all of the international corruption on just some tax charges, to plead guilty to tax charges. We get it. We know exactly what they're doing. They're going to throw him in jail. They're going to arrest, you know, you know, prevent him from running. Okay. They're going to cheat. Okay. So, so what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I, I still don't understand how just... Focusing aimlessly on Mitter Trump as an end to itself is going to help Mitter Trump and certainly the rest of us, which is what I thought populism was all about. Caring about what's popular for ourselves, not for some rich elite. But anything short of having a massive government funding fight over all the things that are wrong with our country, everything else is just bluster. That's the bottom line. So this is true both in terms of what you're going to do to get him out of the legal troubles. There's no end game. And also how to actually, well, three things, how to have him win a general election, because as much as he's going to be sympathetic to the primary electorate, I mean, his numbers, the more they lock him up, the more the independents are going to hate him. That's just the reality. So that doesn't help you win an election. And number three, if he were to win an election, what gives you confidence that he's going to do anything about all these other issues? And I want to start with that latter point first before we get to our guests and some other things. But first, our sponsor today, Jace Medical. You know, while the FDA is approving constant Joseph Mengele variant booster shots that are killing people, they're not doing their real job. Uh, Commissioner Califf just admitted that the drug shortage is out of control. There's an estimated 300 major drug categories that are in shortage. That's why we're trying to get ahead of the curve so we don't have what happened to us with COVID where you don't have life-saving medication available. Go to jacemedical.com, enter code REVIEW at checkout for a discount on your order of Jace Daily. What's a Jace Daily? It's a backup supply 
for 12 months of the key medications that you're on long-term. It could be mental health, it could be diabetes, heart, blood pressure, you name it. Um, They are in shortage, but they can get it for you now. They can give you that peace of mind that you will have the long-term supply when the FDA continues doing what they're doing. So again, go to Jace Medical, that's J-A-S-E medical.com, enter code review. So folks, there was an interview last night with Brett Baer, and look, I'm not a fan of him, I'm not a fan of Fox, obviously, but I want to play, just just to understand the end game here on policy, and we can talk about the end game on the indictment, but... Brett Baer asked him the question. You know, you say all your personnel, everyone is great, I only hire the best people, but he listed a litany of people that Trump is literally at war with. Trump says bad things about them, they say bad things about him. Take a listen here. Okay, in 2016 you said that. I'm going to surround myself with only the best and most serious people. Well, I did do that. This and we time, had tremendous. Look, we had the best economy we've ever had. This the world time has ever seen. Your vice president, Mike Pence, is running against you. Yeah. Your ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, she's running against you. Your former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, said he's not supporting you. You mentioned National Security Advisor John Bolton. He's not supporting you either. You mentioned Attorney General Bill Barr uh, says you shouldn't be president again. I uh, calls you the consummate narcissist and troubled man. You recently called and uh, Barr a, a gutless pig. Uh, you're second defense secretary is not supporting you, called you irresponsible. This week, you and your White House called your White House chief of staff, John Kelly, weak and ineffective and born with a very small brain. You called your acting White House chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, a born loser. You called your first secretary of state, Rex Tillerson, dumb as a rock. And your first defense secretary, James Mattis, the world's most overrated general. You called your White House press secretary, Kayla Kennedy, milquetoast. And multiple times, you've referred to your transportation secretary, Elaine Chao, as Mitch McConnell's China loving wife. So why did you hire all of them in the first place? Okay, so folks, just just before we get to Trump's answer, that was the question that Brett Baer posed to him. And by the way, there's tons more people. He didn't even mention Kushner and Scott Gottlieb and Fauci and Jerome Adams and Henry McMaster, Mnuchin, Alex Azar, all three of his DHS secretaries. And the point is, they're not just the leftovers from Obama. Maybe you say, okay, they were his first appointees. He was in a rush. He didn't know. A lot of times, these were his second and third choices well into his admin. And it's not just the fact that, you know, they did liberal things or didn't weren't for the mission, but they say horrible things about him, and he says horrible things about them. How do you ever... How did how does that not alone disqualify him? But before we talk about that, let's let's take a listen to his answer, which isn't much of an answer. Um, but uh, let's play clip clip two here. As I hired ten to one that were fantastic. We had a great economy. We had phenomenal people in charge of the economy. We had phenomenal people in the military. I'm not a fan of Milley, and I'm not a fan of certain of the television people. But I knocked out ISIS. I defeated ISIS. They said Mattis. It would take three years, and I don't think we can do it. I did it in a period of, like, four weeks. There's a lot of people who praise you for your policies. I just said that. That's true. Well, I mean, you just went through a list. But don't forget, for everyone you say, I had 10 that love us. And one thing happens, I find, with me that I think didn't happen so much with other presidents. Uh, Call it glamorous time, call it whatever. But with me... The Times, The Washington Post, various people, even Fox, because, you know, I'm no great fan of Fox anymore. They fought me. They fought me very hard. Well, you've got to get your word out somehow, right? They fought me very hard in 2016, very much the way they're fighting me now. Very, very hard. And I won. Then they became very nice. But I will tell you that uh, something happens when people leave. They can like me very much. I have this woman named Alyssa Farah. She said the greatest things long after she left. He's the greatest president we've ever had. He was unbelievable, unbelievable. Then The View offered her a contract. But obviously, only if she changed her views. And all of a sudden, she can say negative things. Money gets offered to people, and some people change. But there's but I will people say on this, that list that for, are not taking money that decided for, that they're well, not Well, for the most part, you. they are. You know, Barr did a book. Barr was a coward. The name people that you name, for every person you name, I can name 20 people that loved the administration. 
And maybe more importantly, the voters love the administration. The voters are dying to get back to it, Brett. The voters are tired of being laughed at all over the world. We're run by a fool. We're run by a man that doesn't have a clue. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there. He barely answered the question. He talks about ISIS. Okay, whatever. The only answer I can glean is he said that for everyone that you say, you know, that that was a problem, there were 10 who loved us. But then he never names who they are. And in fact, I, I can't really find them. He won't name them. So first of all, all the big names were bad, or at least at war with him, he's at war with them. From chiefs of staff to the cabinet level. I mean, maybe you could find some low-level people. I don't know. But he didn't name a single one. <laughs> then he deviates into how he hates Fox and how they fought me as hard in 2016 like they are now, which is really bizarre. Because Fox was his super PAC. Fox unanimously supported him, not just in the general, but in the primary against Cruz. That is a fact. He, he was president because of Fox News. And even now, I mean, I, I would agree with him that Murdoch is against him. But in terms of the individual show hosts, there's a lot more Fox show hosts that support him over DeSantis. It's like a 70, 30, 80, 20 split. So I don't know what he's talking about. So that is just bizarre. He talks about, oh, well, it's just they're bought off for money later. And he gives a few examples, but that doesn't explain all of them. That's kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, and, and he knew about who these people were at the time. And again, it's not just the fact that you know, he appoints liberal people or people aren't for the mission. It's that if this is the relationship you have with everyone, the point is no smart-based people are going to want to serve for you. There are very few capable and competent people that have the ability to rise to the level of attorney general or secretary of defense that is in our realm. That's just a fact. So you can't be at war. Like, this is the problem. The only people around him are either Lindsey Graham's criminals, um, morally confounded people, or like Laura Loomer type of people. Okay? I mean, will she be the attorney general? And then he says, the people love me. So that, that's kind of like a tacit admission. You're right. All my own cabinet people hated me, but the people... Uh, yeah, but, I mean, you got to have people to do the job. I mean, this is the problem. It's not like we're saying the first term sucked, but we have a certain confidence level that he is going to be really disciplined, really good, a killer, mission-oriented, focused. No, there is no confidence that he's giving us that he's going to do that. That's the problem. So what is the end game on policy? What are we stri striving for at the end of this tunnel? Oh my gosh, imagine if everything they're doing to him, we went and elected him. Take that, DOJ. And, and you know, I'm, I'm even a little sympathetic to that. I, I would love to see that moment just for that. But what does that do for us? But we don't matter. The issues don't matter. All that matters is the Trump indictment. Fine. What's the outcome there? I want, I want to indulge that a little bit. Um, first, our other sponsor today is our friends at Pure Health Research with a lot of people having chronic inflammation from all the stuff that we're inundated with from the clot shots to bed, uh, processed food. Uh, there's just record numbers of people with arthritis, autoimmune. Joint support. It's an amazing product that consists of seven natural products, literally superfoods. Uh, supporting comfortable, healthy, and flexible joints, promotes healthy cartilage growth. All it takes is it's one small capsule. I don't like big capsules. I still have trouble you know, swallowing pills. But one small capsule of joint support every day to start feeling the positive effects of your joint health. Now, if our listeners go to getjointhelp.com slash Daniel, it's getjointhelp.com slash Daniel to get your joint support risk-free today, as always, our friends at Pure Health, they always give a bunch of gifts, so you have a free 30-day supply of Omega-3, which you know you can never get enough of that. A lot of broad-spectrum health benefits, um, as well as two free eBooks on whole health, 
So again, they love their gifts. Head over to getjointhelp.com slash Daniel to order joint support and claim your free bottle of Omega-3 plus your two eBooks today. That's joint, get joint help, getjointhelp.com slash Daniel. So then, then there's the scandal himself. Now, there's this broad kind of nihilism I'm seeing from people that it doesn't matter. We're faced with insurmountable odds anyway. They're going to steal the election. They're going to indict anyone. It's not just Trump. They're going to indict the next Republican. And I broadly agree with that on many ways. But again, the question is, so what is your plan? See, they, they're conflating two things. We are still governed largely by pub- public opinion. Does still matter. And that's why these guys are so hell-bent on elevating Trump to get the nomination so that they could defeat him in the general, buttering him up among the base, but his numbers among indies are impossible. The reality is, and the polling shows this on the issues, we're winning with independence on every major issue that matters. DeSantis is polling very positively among independents. And by the way, it's not just who he is, but also... At the end of the day, they're going to bloody up anyone, and at some point, you need a fresh face. But it also doesn't help that he is so undisciplined and shoots himself in the foot, too. It is a fixed factor that they are going to go after us, whether you're a Susan Collins, whether you're a Mitch McConnell, whether you're Donald Trump, whether you're a Ron DeSantis. They'll go after you with everything they have. That is a fixed. That is a guaranteed. But the variable is how you respond and relate to the voters on the issues as well as those alleged scandals that they throw at you. And it doesn't help that he gives himself more legal problems. So he went on TV with Brett Baird last night and he admitted to withholding documents. He was like, yeah, I did that, but I had good reason. And, and you know, I had a bunch of good stuff in there, a bunch of personal items. I didn't have time to sort through. And that might be very well true. I don't believe DOJ. But dude, leave that to your legal team. Don't, don't admit that. And then also he boxed himself into a legal defense of saying basically, he's saying, he basically said last night there were no national security Iranian you know, invasion plan documents. He's full scale denying it. Instead of saying, the, the problem with that is because if what DOJ is saying is true, then he locks in his defense. Whereas he could just say, I have the right to have them. There's nothing criminally wrong. Again, this is the type of problem, and it's emblematic not just of his own legal problems, but our country's legal problems and the policy problems. There, you can't deal with a guy that's this erratic. Don't tell me it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. So my buddy Steve Dace asked a series of four questions on Twitter. I'm just going to quote Steve. You're claiming, and I agree, and I've been saying the same time in this entire calendar year that the Democrat plan is to convict and imprison Trump. Do you have a plan for winning an election under those circumstances? Because short of a repeat civil war nobody wants, the only other means to stop these persecutions is to win the next election. If Trump or someone friendly to his base doesn't win the next election, there are real odds Trump finishes his natural life under a form of incarceration. Meaning, what is your plan? What is your plan? Now, they're going to lie to themselves and create these fake polls that show Trump beating Biden by six points. And by the way, that Harvard-Harris poll, you break into the internals, it literally has like Trump winning half the black vote. It has just insane numbers in there that it's just, it's not true. What, what is your plan? You could be right. It's a shame that voters believe this, but they do. And Trump's personality, his erraticness, every last cabinet person he picked hates him. Well, I mean, you might have a, an excuse for everything, but what is that going to do for those swing voters that you need? Well, screw those voters. They suck. I kind of agree with you, but still, what is your plan? Well, they'll steal the election. Okay, well, first of all, what are you going to do about it then? Okay, well, they'll steal the election, so then we're screwed. Now, the reality is, you know, they definitely steal votes. There's no question. But I think, are you going to tell me they stole 2022? 
that Republicans really w- were crushing? No, I think we all agree they had a sucky message, ran a horrible on-the-ground campaign. Trump was, it wasn't even on the ballot. I'm talking about the GOP in general. The election results do reflect input. 90%, 95% reflect the reality. Now, that few percent is very important that they steal because we live in a divided country. But you need someone with a much more cleaner, compelling argument to even hope to win outside the margin of cheating. Now, I I would just interject on Steve's thing that I do think there is another option that I don't even think we could wait to win an election. You have to have a knockdown, dragout funding fight over this. But neither is Trump nor his supporters calling for that. I'm the only one calling for that. And again, it's not just the budget fight over the funding of the DOJ prosecution of Trump. It's if you have, if we had a party and a movement that was focused on winning, as I've been presenting yesterday on the homosexual agenda, later this week I'm going to present on the border, and medical freedom and all these issues, it would radicalize the voters, win over the swing voters broadly on that. You would have red states engaging in much more national divorce style thumbing their noses at the federal government and it would get us into a position to force the issue more on the Trump prosecution itself. But because it's all, they're putting all their eggs into our weakest link. If you poll our top 10 issues, they poll well with those voters. If you poll Trump, he polls horribly. That is a really reality. Don't blame the messenger. So what are you going to do about that? Let's go on to more of Steve too. Furthermore, What's your plan to win the presidency if Trump is under house arrest or even in a federal prison? Are you thinking of ways to sympathetically message that to independents who have soured on Trump and his candidates the last few elections? Trump's rallies are perhaps his biggest political asset, but what if he is lawfully unable to continue those in incarceration? What is the alternative plan? And again, everyone's like, they're, they're going to lock up a former president. Yeah, they actually are. So what are you going to do about it? What is your plan? Meaning it's the same thing on the issues, the same thing on everything else in the past. We're going to die if this happens. So what are you going to do about it? Your actions have to match your rhetoric. I mean, again, I'm, I'm trying to be careful here. I'm not calling for a civil war. But it would be one thing if the Trump supporter said, we have a plan to basically in, engage in violence. Again, I'm not advocating for it. I won't, no, none of us want that. But they actually don't. Steve is right. They could pluck, the feds could come to, the marshals could come to Mar-a-Lago, grab Trump, throw him behind bars in the D.C. gulag, and outside of a little bit noise here and there, and talk radio just screaming their heads off, nothing will change. We have built no movement behind strategically using leverage points in politics to get results. And it's true of everything, so it's true of this too. Number three, Have you game-theorized what to do from a lawfare perspective? We know Democrats often do things that are knowingly unconstitutional and just wait to see if we can get the courts to overrule them. Thus, what if blue secretaries of state tried to deny Trump ballot access to acquire the required delegates for the nomination? Or more likely, what if after he's the nominee, and and that's when they're going to do it because they want to get him the nomination— Enough blue state secretaries of state try to remove his ballot access so it's virtually impossible to get to 270 electoral votes. Arizona, Michigan, Nevada, and Wisconsin all have blue secretaries of state. And I would argue three out of four of them, aside from Nevada, all, all have Democrat govs. So what are you going to do? Now, I would say we should build a movement that if they do that, Republican SOSs will take Biden's name off the ballot and retaliate. Okay? But the problem is that alone won't really, I mean, I I think we should do it, but remember, Biden doesn't really need to win any state where there's Republican state-local control. If you go through the map, it's more a problem the other way. So theoretically, if you take every state where Republicans have control and take him off the ballot, I think he still gets to 270. Um, I mean, you could technically have people like Chris Sununu in New Hampshire, but that wouldn't be enough. It's only four votes, but and also you wouldn't do it. 
But that's the problem we face here. Precisely because we've been wiped out in all of those states. It's a big problem. I wonder why. So what is your answer? In other words, Carrie Lake could, and I believe she won in Arizona, but she could, for herself, she could lose the election, ultimately lose it, you know, whether it's fair or not, and become a huge star, raise a ton of money, and build a huge movement off of it, and never have to win another election. And I get it. But what does that do for everyone else? I mean, that can't be a model. And I'm sympathetic. I, I, get, I get what these guys are doing. But what is your plan? See, if they followed my advice of really flooring the gas pedal on the issues, you would win over more swing voters. Moreover, you would red pill the red states. It would create a different dynamic that you can't even envision in a static analysis. But instead, it's just like there's no substance. It's all putting their eggs into a basket of someone who's very popular among 60% of Republicans, but pretty much hated by everyone else. That's, that's a recipe for disaster. And then finally, before we get to Pedro, I want to you know, continue this discussion with him. Number four, what assurances do we have that Trump will not cut a deal for himself at the last second to avoid prison time, which may include leaving the race even at the last minute? This would throw Republicans into chaos with little time to muster a critical mass beyond an alternative, all but ensuring a defeat. Looking at the potential timetable for these cases, it is quite possible they don't get to resolution until close to Election Day. Meaning, the first trial they just announced today, the Florida judge for the DOJ document case, is August 14th. Now, they'll likely ask for a continuance and get it and push that off. Um, but then you have the January 6th one coming. You have the Georgia one coming. Again, they're not going to take him out. They're not going to incapacitate him that he can't win a primary because that defeats the point. They're going to play up the sympathy but not completely incapacitate him until the general. Would Trump consider a mutual pledge that the RNC agrees not to ban nominating a candidate under indictment arrest provided Trump agrees in turn not to agree to a plea deal that would end his candidacy. Let me put a finer point on this. I'm quoting Steve. If Trump is asking Republicans to risk nominating a candidate who could be in prison on election day, isn't it fair for him to therefore pledge that he would rather go to prison than cut a deal that ends his candidacy? This is not a joke or just a talking point. Our opponents are playing for keeps. We can all see what their end game is. So what is the plan in response? Or is, there an, or is there an alternative to these questions that would render them moot? Is there another path that avoids this oncoming intersection we all dread? If so, what is it? These are valid questions. Let, let, let's say DeSantis was never born. Nikki Haley, Mike, all the There is one Republican candidate. I don't want to make this about, oh, well, it's him versus him. What is your plan? They're, they're knocking us out of the presidential election. Okay, so what's your plan? Now, in my mind, one thing for sure is we need a knockdown, drag-out fight for government funding over the DOJ prosecution. But I'm just going to warn you, whether we like it or not, because of the clips I played before, Trump is his own worst enemy. I'd rather... See, I'd rather be... Fu- <laughs> It's what's so frustrating is because it is a big problem what they're doing, of course. I, we all agree on that. But this man has made himself so freaking unpopular and he's horrible on policy and personnel. So what do we freaking get for it anyway? But we're told we have to be loyal and just fight on for him. Okay, what does that look like? What does that look like? So I believe it means a funding fight, but just keep in mind, it's a pretty unpopular thing to have a funding fight over. So I think we first have to kind of fight on the trainee stuff, on the biomedical security, on the border invasion. This is a death trap. If this really were about what's better for the public, you know exactly what this man and his supporters would do. See, there's one thing if you're left with like Nikki Haley or Mike Pence, but you're not. Why? Why would you fight on? 
So I'm going to try to give the other side as best as I can with our next guest and have him defend you know, the position that Trump is our retribution. He is what we need. Let's see how that works out with uh, with our next guest. So Pedro Gonzalez has really sacrificed a lot for the truth. You know, I admire him. We've had him on a lot before. He came about in this populist movement, was never even really like a traditional conservative re- Republican like I was for many years, um, came to prominence with the rise of Trump, like many people. But unlike 90% of them, he actually believed in it. You know, <laughs> how about that? He wanted those outcomes, understood the problems of the Uniparty, <clears throat> the need to change messaging, issue set, priorities, focus. You know, this kind of what we, we've come to know as the America First movement, as opposed to the Republican Party that, uh, that we're used to. And the problem is, unlike everyone else, he actually started to realize, well, wait a minute. Aren't we landing in the same place that we tried to move away from, just like Animal Farm, literally, repeating it all over again, uh, just in a worse way? And finally, it got to the point where it was just insufferable for him, and he's been willing to speak out on how Trump is actually counterintuitive to everything we want to achieve, even everything his supporters say they want to achieve in his own acquitting, acquitting him from his criminal charges. You're not going to get it by nominating him. It's not going to happen. And he's chosen to support DeSantis, but more than supporting DeSantis, it's more really about um, recognizing the cancer of Trump and the movement around him, not to the antiquated GOP, but to our movement. That's the problem. Now, Pedro writes for the, he's a political editor for Chronicles Magazine. Importantly, he has a substack that you have to subscribe to at Contra, C-O-N-T-R-A. And he's with us today to discuss this further. Pedro, thanks so much for coming back again to Blaze Media. Thanks so much, Daniel. And you're totally right. It's not, I, I obviously like DeSantis, but it's really, uh, I, I'm more, I'm motivated more by, by negative things. And in this case, um, my opposition to what I see as the, fleecing of what I've what most of us a lot of us anyway took to be a serious uh, and new movement on the right that emerged with Trump in 2016 but obviously that's not the case and in many ways it's, it's counterproductive to its stated, stated aims counterproductive to stated aims okay so I wanted to go through this with a little bit of devil's ad- advocate here um, so we are told I think the primary the primary motivation for supporting Trump at this point, and Trump himself says this, is that he will be the retribution. That look, you know, whether we like it or not, the left is throwing everything they have at him. He's the biggest name in politics. He represents the right, whether we like it or not. And they are trying to put him in jail. And the best retribution would be to actually have him elected as president of the United States. So that's why now is not the time to focus on other issues. Now is not the time to focus on other people. Everyone should just unite behind him and pledge allegiance to Mr. Trump. And somehow that kind of unity will, uh, you know, drive him, his stature up. And he's going to win the primary. He'll win the general election and he'll be our retribution um, he'll learn from the mistakes of the past, and he's, you know, uh, I mean, think about it, Pedro. They they literally are trying to put him in jail for the rest of his life, so you can't tell me he's going to get distracted or whatever. He's definitely going to go after the deep state this time, whatever misgivings you have about his first term. So why wouldn't we join this retribution train? Well, first, the, the latest indictment, the most serious one, which has to do with documents, it's an entirely self-inflicted wound. I think that's really important to understand and begin with that this would not have happened had Trump not inexplicably just obstructed efforts to return these documents to the National Archives. I think that's really important to understand. Republicans, conservatives are trying to make this whole argument about uh, presidential records and declassification and things like that that completely misses the most important point, which is that this started in 2021 
Trump had every chance to just do the easy thing and comply with the request to return these documents. Instead, he lied to the people around him, uh, based, or excuse me, asked them to lie for him, played this weird game with the National Archives, where after about a year of asking, they, that's when they asked the DOJ to get involved because, you know, this, this guy is just being bizarrely and inexplicably recalcitrant. And behind the scenes, Trump is telling his lawyers and his spokespeople to lie by saying that we've returned all the documents, there's nothing left. And at the same time that he's doing that, he's also having this poor Navy veteran, Walt Naouda, I think his last name is Naouda, I'm pronouncing it correctly. This, this poor Navy veteran, he has him move documents, basically involves him in this whole scandal by asking him to move documents from Mar-a-Lago to uh, New Jersey without telling his lawyer. Just all of these bizarre things that we can't really explain. Like, why does Trump do this? Why, why did it, he seem to invite this whole indictment on himself? And I think the answer to that question is, it doesn't matter why he does it. it what matters is the fact that he did it. And that is a huge liability. When, when you have a movement that's being led by a guy who literally cannot help himself, and when you ask him, why did you do this? He has no explanation, or his explanation is bizarre, because they were mine. Because I had golf shirts in the boxes. And, I, you know, for two years, I, I couldn't fish them out. It's just bizarre. And it's a waste. And I think this is really important. It is such a waste of time and energy to have to deal with this over, over such a self-inflicted mistake. So, and then to the premise, go yeah. ahead. No, no. Well, I just want to just push back a little bit. So I agree with you on that point that the self-inflicted wounds, the, you know, the, the distractions, the waste of time, his own worst enemy, that's going to continue to plague us going forward forever, and that is a needless liability. But I just do want to say what some will push back on is that, look, they're hell-bent on indicting him anyway. Whether he would have cooperated or not, you have the January 6th angle. You have several other angles. I mean, it's they're literally going to indict him for free speech. Um, you know, that whole January 6th thing yep. is a hoax. They're hell-bent on doing it no matter what. They don't follow any laws. You see the dichotomy of Hunter Biden today. They're allowing him to plead guilty on very minor charges. That it's irremediably corrupt. And let me just add one more thing before I get your response. And they'll yep. tell you, look, okay, so you want DeSantis. But, but at the end of the day, DeSantis... We believe he's a killer, and he will actually do much more efficiently and effectively what Trump is uh, purported to do and promises to do and his reputation is but really doesn't achieve. So that will activate the left even more. And as much as we know, like DeSantis is probably the cleanest guy (laughs) around in politics today – but they just lie. I mean, they'll they will yeah. they will go after. There's no. I mean, you 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 do agree they will go after him. So what's the yeah. difference? Right. So I, th- this goes back to my point about wasting time. I had to waste time to explain why I think this whole thing is a is a needless scandal. And that's I think the diff- one of the fundamental differences between Trump and DeSantis is that DeSantis is not going to make himself such an easy target to the left. Which now goes back to the point about retribution, and this this is all tied together. That is, there's a lot of work that you have to do to assume this this premise of retribution. First of all, you have to assume that the left would rather face someone like Trump, uh, or rather that they would that they would not prefer to have Trump as an enemy versus DeSantis. I mean, if you're a smart person on the left, you want Trump as your enemy. You know, so you hear his supporters saying retribution. You're like, yeah, yes, make him the nominee. Run him against Biden because he's he, on the one hand he's probably the only Republican that could lose to Biden, and on the other hand, even if he by some miracle wins, he is so easy to to just manipulate and undermine. How do we know that? Because we saw that in his first administration. So this whole idea of like retribution. I mean, the smart leftists are saying yes, please nominate him because he's so much less competent. He's so much more prone to just stepping on a rake that's going to hit him in the face than someone like DeSantis, who you're right, he's going to come under attack. Like, there's no question about that. They're going to throw everything they can at him, but he's not going to make it easy for them in a way that Trump does. And again, this document scandal is such a great example of that. Just inexplicably painting a target on his back and hanging the arrows to the enemy. And on the second point about retribution, 
the, the retribution that we're talking about is, is a purely emotional, childish retribution, which is kind of like a, you know, like thumbing your nose at the left uh, on, on the, the off chance that Trump somehow wins in 2024, right? But then that's it. The retribution, that one moment where you're like, yes, we got him back in the White House, it's over after that. After that, the left is going to ruin you. They're going to bury you because Trump is going to give them every pretext, every excuse. I mean, think about this. No, after but they'll be out of power. Trump, He's going to go after that. He'll be president. Right. Yeah, that's right. After right, just like when Trump was was. I, I know you're being sarcastic, but when you know when Trump was in the White House uh, for four years, tell me, after four years, is is the deep state is is the swamp weaker or stronger? Stronger. That's the only answer, right? Trump supporters will say that themselves. Like, like the, I don't just mean like the, like the well-meaning people, but I mean like the grifters around him who kind of create this mythology of martyrdom around Trump. The swamp is strong, right? That, that's the problem. But what if I so told you more, that he, yeah. Kushner will be out of the picture this time and <laughs> all of the establishment guys that were, you know, kind of populated his first administration – they wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole, so you'll only have really based people this time. Right, except everything we know about who is left around Trump, is <laughs> that just tells us that's not true. I mean, the only people that are left around Trump are people that have nowhere else to go, but not in the sense of like, oh, so that means that they're going to fight with all the, you know, all the, the might in their bodies. No, it's, it's people who literally are just like un- otherwise unemployable. I mean... It's it's people that are like kooks, people that might feel that they might need a pardon in the near future uh, for themselves or a friend. Uh, it's people that have burned every other bridge and have decided that this is the only way that I'm going to have a future, uh, that I'm that I'm going to have some kind of a career in politics. Those are the people that are left around Trump, and the people who are not like that, the few people that are not like that, that are, in other words, the people that have brains and are intelligent and actually have uh, some, some degree of like knowledge and things like that. All of those people, in order to continue being around Trump right now, have to debase themselves. That's not what they want to hear. And I know some of these people, but it's just a fact. You have to debase yourself to continue being around Trump and, and, you know, and, and not just devolving into a complete grifter. That, that's just a fact. Like, and I'll give you an example. And this is such a ridiculous example. But Laura Loomer, for example, Laura Loomer is, you know, everyone knows who she is. This, this woman is, 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 is a kook. Um, but like in the worst sense of the word, like not, it's not like, oh, she's chaotic and, and that's somehow good. It's like, no, this, this person is totally counterproductive, not a serious person at all, undermines, you know, everything she touches, just radioactive. But she's been in Trump's orbit for a long time, right? Like it's not like it's not like he just became aware of this person. She's she's been orbiting him for years. But he recently wanted to hire her. Why is that? Because Trump really liked the disgusting personal attacks that Loomer was launching against Ron and Casey DeSantis. She's the one that's been making fun of Casey DeSantis for having cancer. Trump sees that and he says, Yes, that's the kind of person that I want on my team. Not serious people who might actually, you know, be able to produce something productive in, in a potential second administration as far off as that seems. But he wants people like Loomer who are just the worst kinds of sycophants and enablers. Those are the kinds of people that he wants around him. You're saying it's not like, you know, Dr. Peter McCullough, who's like, we want to go and go, you know, research every vaccine out there, go back and do that. Someone wants to do something hardcore at the border. Um, I would say hardcore on the trendy stuff, but I, I don't think they want that. But you know, you know what no. I mean. It's 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 yeah. all on this personal tit for tat. So you're saying you don't have any confidence that he's changed. And, and what about his answers to Brett Baer last night in that interview? Which, by the way, he requested um, the, uh, the his answers about personnel. I don't know if you yeah. saw that that clip we just played on. Yeah on uh you know the the list that he gave him and it was pretty impressive but it was it wasn't even half the full list um right. what do you think of Trump's answer or something like well for everyone there's 10 that loved us or something you know what i would have said to, I, if i was if i were brett i would ask him name them because trump can't because it's either not true or he has no idea 
who ended up as an, like, he just doesn't care about personnel enough. And that actually matters. And the, the people that are still around him that are still in his good graces, it's funny because there, this whole argument that like, oh, well, now we've, we've weeded out the, you know, the rhinos and, and, the, and the neocons and stuff like John Bolton. Um, it's funny because there are still people who are in Trump's good graces who are just identical to the John Boltons, like uh, Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham got a full-throated endorsement from Trump recently. Trump defended has defended Lindsey Graham recently to his uh, to his supporters. One of the last segments I did on Tucker Carlson was actually about this. Tucker opened it up by talking about what a terrible person Lindsey Graham is and what a terrible influence he was on the first administration. And then, you know, as Tucker's handing it off to me, the, the question that he asks is, why does Trump keep these people around? Tucker's uh, explanation was that, you know, Trump is very vulnerable to flattery. And that's certainly part of it. But I also think it's that, that Trump doesn't really have any core beliefs. And so really, the, the people that he keeps around him are, I mean, I guess to a large extent, that's, that's correct. Like Trump is, Trump will keep people around him, not who are useful to the cause and the stated aims of, of America first, but people that are just really good at flattering him and really good at being sycophants. So Graham is one example, right? Another example is uh, Richard Grinnell. Grinnell is no different ideologically from someone like John Bolton, and he's still in Trump's inner circle. Like, it's very clear that this guy is angling to be back in the administration in a prominent position. And by the way, but you're supposed to believe that as you're talking, I'm just thinking it's very important. I want want our voters to remember when Trump says, well, there were like guys that loved us that were good. I'm actually thinking there were. Recently, you had that um, DeSantis Super PAC, or I think it was a Super PAC, put out a list of over 100 Trump administration officials that endorsed DeSantis. So you had yeah. now the upper level, they were all horrible. But, you know, you get down, you know, the highest, like Ken Cuccinelli is deputy DHS secretary. Um, but then, you know, it's really much lower than that. You actually have some good people. I, there, a lot of them are mutual friends of ours, and maybe some weren't on there. I know people that weren't on that list that privately <laughs> believe that. But the point is that those are actually competent. They believe in our views. Um, they they served the Trump administration very loyally and did the best job they could. But they actually said that they're not going to hire any, any, any people who work for DeSantis. So that rules out anyone that would possibly be good. Yeah. Yeah. All the look, all the people like the vast majority, I should say, of the people that I know who worked in the administration, who are very solid um, and very competent, they're either off the Trump train or they're basically ambivalent and checked out of national politics due to their experience in the Trump administration. In fact, last night, one of these people um, sent me a message, actually sent me the clip with Brett Baer and Trump. And, and he actually sent me to Trump's response for him saying like, Oh, I, I had way more good hires than I did bad ones. And the answer that I got from this person just out of the blue said, this is delusional. And this is someone who's really good on all of the important issues who worked in the Trump administration, uh, who, who was, you know, basically a fellow traveler with Trump until very recently. And it was actually just the absurd attacks on DeSantis that broke this person off. And it's, again, it's not because like so many people, it's not because, you know, that they really, really love DeSantis. Um, and I'm talking specifically about Trump personnel, but they just, they, they look at these attacks and, and they just see like, this is, you're, you're, you're insulting and attempting to destroy the most effective Republican governor in, in modern history. Like I'm, I'm just can't be part of this anymore. Yeah. And, 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 and I, that's the I see that so much. It's that grind that should conserve concern people. I don't mind if you have an admin where you have a bunch of leaks to the media where you have all these you know deep state types, career types that get sidelined and fired and they're disgruntled and they complain about the admin. Then that would be a sign of that you're doing your job. But when they're your picks, people that you brought in that came in with you and new, not even holdovers of other Republican administrations or whatever, but that you, that came in with you and they're all like they just went to v- they come back like they just went to Vietnam you know it's like they're so they're so yeah. wiped out there's something wrong there and and it's just like yeah. my colleagues cannot think strategically past a minute aside from the fact that they can't think about how do you expect to get this man to win a general election how do you expect to meaning if your thing is to pardon him to get retribution in any yep. sane logical way um putting aside every other issue that matters 
the best thing would be to have DeSantis be the nominee. That would give you your best chance. But they're they're dumb, so whatever. Um, I want to move on to something. We, we only have about five more minutes. I think it's very important, um, and it deserves a longer discussion. But you know, a lot of us are saying, "All right, so let them get it out of their system." He wins the nomination. You know, ninety five percent he loses the general election. So fine. Then then we'll be able to rebuild. But the problem is, I think we're starting to see it's not just the man himself, but it's built this movement off of grifting off of superficial red-pilled statements but that you don't really believe in and don't really create a movement to actually achieve outcomes. And the next person, and, and we're just going to get more people like that, even if Trump yep. is over with, if we don't defeat it with something more substantial, and that's Carrie Lake. I mean, I gave effusive praise for her last year. I had her on the show a couple times. Um and, you know, I endorsed her for the primary, the general election for governor in Arizona. Um, now, I will say this, and this was an election cycle where we had nobody even speaking our language. I want to make that very clear. Nobody even speaking our language that's trying to even appeal to our uh, sensibilities. And a lot of that was because of Trump's endorsement. So we, we, we didn't have Alabama. We didn't have Texas because he endorsed against us. So Kerry Lake was our only chance of getting a, a second governor like DeSantis, even though there was nothing about her that kind of gave me the vibe she would competently implement things, but at least kind of like talking hardcore, talking smack, right? Okay. But then, interestingly enough, I will point out, and I didn't say this at the time, folks, you can Google my name and see our podcast – the gubernatorial candidate who knows what time it is, September 16th, 2022. That's the only time I had Carrie Lake on in the general election. Take a listen to that show. And what you'll notice is the – I actually lie to you. The delivery doesn't fit the title because unlike when she was on the primaries, she didn't hit any of the – softballs I gave her, I was like trying to tee up, yeah, you're going to make Arizona sovereign, fight the courts, fight the... And it's like she wouldn't commit to anything. It was very lackluster. And and I, I noticed it at the time, and I almost looked like a fool on that episode, by the way. But whatever, I think a lot of people noticed that. Maybe some didn't. Okay, she, you have the election. I personally do think it was stolen. I think the margin of Maricopa... Just the shutdown of the voting machines was enough if you look at the dichotomy between early voting and election day voting, which was running three to one Republican on that day. It was a narrow margin. I do think it was enough that she would have won. I do believe that. But again, what are you going to do about it? Okay, so now she has an entire organization. She's like the number two in Trump's orbit, raises a ton of money. And I'm not seeing her, like I actually texted her about the case of, of of Kelly, that border rancher. I was like, we need to speak out on his behalf. I didn't hear anything back. It's never about anything but Trump. What are some of the concerns about Kerry Lake and what that represents going forward in Trump number two? Yeah, I mean, Trump created this new model for the, or I guess he, he, he gave a, a, he took a model, I guess, to the next level in the sense of, you don't have to win elections to still be rewarded. You can basically just lean into being a martyr and you can market yourself as someone who lost, not because of any strategic mistakes, but because of the threat you pose. And that's why you could not be allowed to win an election. And, and that's, you know, that really started with Trump, I think. And it's funny because Carrie Lake is sort of like the continuation of that. But, you know, I say it's funny because people are starting to refer to her as the Republican Stacey Abrams because she's effectively declared herself, you know, the, the governor, the governor in exile, uh, exile of her state. And there's initially what was a, a point of mockery that basically Carrie Lake declares herself like one of the most important people in the country. You know, I won the election. No one can tell me any differently. And then she goes, further and starts attacking other Republicans, namely DeSantis, yeah. basically other Republicans that she views as threats to Trump. And I, that's, that's when I started to attention. go after her. That's what got my attention, too, because it is the most cynical and arrogant thing, yes. because it's very clear to me that she's angling to be Trump's vice president. Like, that's, that's, it seems obvious that that's what she wants. 
but then it's so arrogant because you know we you kind of want to sit her down and say you haven't done anything you ran once and lost and then you ripped off your supporters and now you're attacking one of the only people that has actually delivered on the agenda for their constituents because you feel like it's part of your job now as as basically yeah. like Trump's chief surrogate chief surrogate and 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 I'm, I'm more than the vp i'm more concerned about just being the the successor of the movement that that's the longer term concern i have and yep. and again like i was very much pro her and had a very strong relationship with with her team and you know in until then i was like whoa whoa and then there's this whole homosexual agenda log cabin republican stuff right well, she told she told remember think back to like the Bud Light and Disney stuff a few months ago. She was one of these Trump voices who was saying, as we're starting to win finally, she's the one of the Trump voices that was saying, Look, the culture war is matters, but it's not the only thing. Yeah. You know, and like saying this ridiculous stuff, like there are bigger things at stake, yeah. like World War that's their favorite one is World War Three. People who understand nothing about foreign policy talking about like basically using the specter like a legitimate concern obviously but sure. using that thing that they don't understand to, to basically silence opposition to the left basically the kind of opposition that we've been waiting for and hoping for for years and when it comes when this organic reaction to the to left uh you know to left cultural uh i guess the, the left's cultural march through society who are the people that are telling us to hold on? But let's 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 kind of re- pull it back a little bit. It's Carrie Lake. It's Trump surrogates because they feel threatened that, uh, that somehow Trump might not be as good on the issue. Bingo, bingo. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop right there. That is so important. This is what bothers me. I don't give a rat's rear end about DeSantis. Okay, I've known him for eleven years. I think he'd make a great president, but I have my doubts as to what 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 what's left of the country even worth preserving. But what I think you and I stand for is more what he represents, which is focusing on the substance: national divorce, local, making red states red, pressing our advantage. Which, by the way, I you know the polling shows on the issues we are winning. We have to find a way to connect that. It's the it's that anyone who comes with any other movement that in any other context they would have cheered on and said they supported, they will bash it because they perceive it as a threat. I need a leader who's going to give tailwinds to our other efforts, not headwinds. I am more bullish about DeSantis needing to dislodge Trump, not so much for DeSantis in the Oval Office as an end to itself, but as a means of giving tailwinds and certainly not headwinds to our other efforts. And, and that's what concerns me. Rick Grinnell is close with her. Her top two aides are log cabin Republicans. And yep. she, she showed up at FagFest, you know, when, 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 and I still don't understand why this is not bigger news. When Trump celebrated Biden's signing of a bill mandating gay marriage after everything we know what it spawned and did, and Bruce Jenner out there saying, the gender is fluid, you guys are transphobic. I mean, what the hell? We are. We are winning. We are turning back the clock on that issue. We are winning on those issues. Republican support for gay marriage dropped 15 points in 12 months in, 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 in successive Gallup polls. And this is what they're doing to us. I'll give you the last word we'll sew up here. No, and that's the problem, right? I think it's really important to understand that this, this primary has become this kind of contest between DeSantis and Trump, obviously. And, and you know, listeners know where our sympathies lie in terms of who's better for us. But really, it's a much broader battle. Basically, this whole idea of like Trump is just in the way. They're really after you. Actually, Trump is asking us constantly to get in the way for him. And then he the only sense that he gets in the way you know, for us is in the sense that, he, like you said, he, he, he acts as like a headwind that whenever we're pushing in some direction, whenever we're actually getting things done, it's Trump who comes along and drags us back. And I think that's how people need to understand the moment, not as this, oh, it's a primary. It's, it's not a primary. You're talking about whether or not we have a serious movement or just a huge grift masquerading as a movement. That empowers and refills the swamp, reaffirms the establishment control. I mean, this whole Kevin McCarthy thing, Kevin McCarthy's team is really attacking DeSantis now. Yep. And, you know, that's that, this is another big part of the problem. It's like, 
before I brought you on, I talked right. about if you really believe this is World <laughs> War Three, you have to have a government funding fight over DOJ and defunding the prosecution against Trump. I'm the only one calling for that, by the way. But guess yeah. what? They're not going to do it because there's a man that doesn't want to be put in that position. His name is Kevin McCarthy, and that man is with Trump, and he's there because of yeah. Trump. And that's why yeah. Trump will not lean in on him like DeSantis did with the debt ceiling fight. And and that's the moral hazard. It is so damn counterproductive to their own stated aims. We're out of time. Yeah. You could follow Pedro at Contra Substack. Um, make sure you subscribe there. Pedro, thank you for what you do, and thank you all for listening. Let me know your comments, questions, concerns. If you agree or disagree, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com's email. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.